Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you had eternal thoughts of us, Lord, that we are the very substance of faith, your faith before the foundation of the world, Lord. 
And you've called us to be here this morning, Father, to receive from you, Almighty God. We ask, Lord, that your presence would be magnified, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear your word, that you would lift us up into heavenly places with you, Lord, and that we could cast aside, Lord, the carnal things of this life, Lord. We know, O oh God, that in our contaminated nature, O oh God, that you desire, Lord, to commune with us anyway, Lord. For it is you, your essence, Lord, your being that you have placed within us in a seed form. And it is your will, Lord, that it would come to maturity in this age that we live in, O oh Father. Lord, may you come, Lord, and as our brother spoke, Lord, may we see you within us, Lord, coming forth wearing the mask of Jesus Christ for this day. Almighty God, may you come, Father, and help us, Lord, to die more unto ourselves, Lord, that you can take your rightful place that you saw, Lord, in the beginning of time. Grant it, Lord, we pray, O oh God, for our pastor, Oh, that you would bless him, Lord, that your presence would just get a hold of him in such a mighty way that it'd be you doing the speaking, Lord. Help him, Lord, to humble himself and to allow you to take full possession of his being, of his mouth, Lord, of his thoughts, O oh God. May they be your thoughts, O oh Lord Jesus, eternal thoughts of who we are in you. We pray you bless these tithes and these offerings now as we give unto thee. We owe thee everything that we have, everything that we are is yours, O God. Take your rightful position here and may you magnify the atmosphere here this morning with your presence, we pray. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give Brother Aaron a hand clap.
Gabachon.
Praise God. I'm grateful for you, Brother Aaron. Brother Aaron wrote that song. Amen. Praise God. Let's give Brother Matthew a hand. Didn't really practice this at all. Just came on my heart real strong this morning, or actually last night, and I just felt like I got to sing it, so trust that it'll bless somebody. <clears throat> I was sure by now you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, but it's still raining, as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain, I'm with you, and as your the God who gives and takes away and I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands you are who you are no matter strength is almost gone how can I carry on if I can't find you but as the thunder rolls I barely hear your whisper through the rain I'm with the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, you are who you are, no matter where I am. 
Wednesday, if that's okay. God bless you. But I, I want you and um, Emily to come up and sing with me. Um, I'd really like this Touched by a Fire song become a congregational song. So um, I'm hoping y'all catch on to it. Amen. Y'all can stay seated if you, if you can, if you want to. Amen. I'd like to sing this song and you have the words for that song, Brother Mark? Touched by a fire. touched by some fire over the weekend with those meetings. Amen. Well, that same fire is here this morning. So if you need a little touch, amen. Just know he's here. Y'all got to help us now. blinded all my darkness he sparked my heart within his grace and mercy lit a passion consumed my sin now like a city on a hilltop I'll shine through the night I am a lamp made for his glory I will not hide Touched by a fire, let the world come and watch me burn. I'm gonna shout it from the rooftop, shout it till everyone has heard. This love will never be extinguished, it's alive and wild and free. I'm over. 
overtaken by his power his spirit in me his spirit in me his spirit in me oh i've been touched by a fire let the those other verses in brother Mark or were they in Amen. let's all stand together amen I don't know if there's there is actually lyric or other lyrics to this song but um 
Brother Isaiah Brooks sings this song, He's Alive and Well, and there's, he, he gave me other verses. I don't know if these other verses are, are actually in the song or if he wrote them. So did we get them in, Brother Mark? No? All right. Well, we'll just sing. He's alive and well, living in me. service Sunday, December 31 at 5 p.m. Um, for those who stream, we will be streaming that afternoon service. Number of prayer requests today, um, Brother Matt, Brother J.D., Brother Brad are all ministering away today. 
want to be praying the Lord to bless their services abundantly. Amen. I can pray that the Lord will just pour it out on them because I know that won't diminish him at all from pouring it out on us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sister Smith, um, there's no update other than what I sent out to the church. She has pneumonia and some breathing issues and oxygen levels. So Brother Anthony's there at the hospital with her. We want to keep praying for her. Sister Wanda, um, update from, for her for yesterday. Her blood pressure is still high and she's not feeling very well. Jackson, that's becoming echoey to me. So whatever you did, uh, that's getting like I'm in a well. <clears throat> Sister Linda Paris, devil continuing to battle her. her um, the, the one request that I had just before I got an update this morning was continued prayer for her throat and her breathing problems. Brother Bruce wrote to me this morning, she's still suffering from ear, neck, and head pain. All symptoms indicate she has something that only occurs in one in 100,000 Americans called GP, and I'm not gonna try to pronounce the medical name, but it can occur after surgery. Um, Brother Bruce says, now that, well, I better try the name. Boy, Doc Meredith, you may need to help me with this. Glassopharnegnia neurology something something anyway brother bruce says now that we have a name for that devil we can cast him out <laughs> amen <laughs> praise the lord praise god sorry to butcher that word like that sister meredith <laughs> amen i should have brought you up here and made you pronounce it for us amen but it's just a devil jesus all called jesus didn't use those medical names he called it a devil Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's many others who are out of town today on planned trips this morning. So we sure are happy to have all of you here in the house of God. Amen. Praise God. Revelation chapter 1 this morning. And we're going to pray for those needs right as I read my scripture. Revelation chapter 1. We'll catch the first three verses. Right, Mom, I wrote that down and, and, and didn't put it, didn't transfer it over. My Uncle Troy also not doing well. Uh, is that the continuation of what he was already sick on? Right, right, right. Continuing. Okay. All right. All right. Revelation chapter 1. By the help of the Lord, we want to finish our series today. Amen. I thought I would finish it uh, before our meetings uh, with uh, Brother Tim, Brother Timothy. But, uh, you know, it's ironic to me. Well, not really ironic. It shouldn't have been ironic anyway. Uh, is that uh, Brother Tim really was, and Brother Timothy, going down some of the same things we've been studying and looking at. I was commenting to both of them. You know, the word being made flesh today. I appreciated Brother Matt's Sunday school in that very same vein. Brother Don's prayer in that very same vein. Amen. And um, I tell you, friends, it is the bride's message of the hour. Amen. The word is made flesh and living in the earth again. Amen. Revelation 1, 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him 
to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. <clears throat> uh, seemed like I might have wanted to read. Yeah, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep, that's going to be an important word, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You know, to us it can seem like a, <clears throat> a real tarrying of the Lord, but to the Lord it's not. And when he said that 2,000 years ago, for God it's only, 2,000 years is only two days. Amen. So let's, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, nothing should surprise us that you come in so many different ways and confirm your word to us. Father, I'm humbling myself this morning before your presence, asking you to help me to deliver this thought today. I pray you will grant me wisdom, Lord, uh, with the situation at hand. I commit myself in, into your hands and my spirit under the control of the Holy Spirit. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Father, for our needs, we read our prayer requests. We have ministers, Lord, who are deployed in ministry. Today we have sick and needy among us. The needs are read out before you, Father, and we are asking for your great mercy on these cases today, Lord. May you, may you touch and lay your hand upon Father, Sister Wanda, and Sister Smith, Lord, and, and our own Sister Bruce as well. Our, uh, Lord, we're, we're Sister Paris, Father, we're asking for your mercy there and for my Uncle Troy as well. Lord, may you have great compassion upon them and touch them now with healing. Lord, I pray for the saints traveling out today in a way we commit them into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. It's not working. Can I pitch a fit? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Praise the Lord. No. Why well, I'm not working here. In my back. Amen. Praise God. In our scripture reading, and remember that we are hoping to sum up this series today, summing up the world near the end today would be part seven. And we were told in verse three, blessed is he that readeth and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Thank you, Brother Kenny. This particular word, keep, keep those things, this is important today because remember that our theme, and I want you to keep remembering this, that the theme of this whole series has been the word to live through us. So it's, it's not merely 
your verbal testimony. How many believe you'd say verbally, amen, that the message is true and that Christ is real, amen? We would all say that uh, from our lips, but does the voice of our life match the testimony of our lips, amen? So this word keep actually means to guard, it means to keep an eye on. It means to watch and hence to guard, to keep. It actually, it actually tells you to be a warden, to actually enforce, make sure that you keep the words of this prophecy. Keep the things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Now, it, so it means to keep, it means to obey. And here is an interesting segue to Revelation 22, 7. Uh, Brother Mark, give me Revelation 22, 7. And when we read this verse, you're going to find out that it means to per particularly to watch, observe attentively, keep the eyes fixed upon, uh, keeping for the fulfillment of prophecy. Now in 22.7, we read it, we read this. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth, there it is again, the sayings of this book. All right, that keepeth the, the, the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So when we, when we find the, the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the book of Revelation, you believe that's the bride's book? It absolutely is. It's, it's mysteries where all it came back after Paul was already gone. That's why Paul doesn't ever quote from it. He was already gone when John come back and it was all written and locked up in symbol and mystery to be revealed and made clear at the end time. Now, it's not that everything at the end time uh, that was written in the book would only happen in the end time. It would actually happen down through the ages but it would be made clear at the end time what God had been doing all along. Just like that's no different than when Brother Branham says that, that all the trumpets, all the seven trumpets sound under the sixth seal. And Brother Branham is simply meaning that the sixth seal, of course, is the tribulation. So all of the trumpets pour out in their fullness. That doesn't stop the fact that they poured out partially down through history. Amen? Amen? I mean, we saw under the trumpets the, the, the uh, 200 million demon chargers at Euphrates, right? And they were released. And we know that happened in the middle part of the 20th century. So it's not that the trumpets haven't had a partial fulfilling, just like when the seals, every, every church age, uh, Brother Branham said a seal was broken partially and a mystery dropped down and a messenger caught it. Now, it wasn't the whole package. It was, it was God giving enough light for each age to, to be able to redeem, for them to believe so he could redeem his family, even though the church had fallen away and had backslid. He still was not going to lose even one of his children. Thank God. So the trumpets are that way. They, they broke partially. The, the vials run in, in parallel with the trumpets. They correspond to the trumpets. If you ever read the trumpets, put them in one column, put the vials in the next column, you'll see that they, they, they align up perfectly. And so, so, so we realize then that all the trumpets sound under the sixth seal tribulation. In other words, they all come to pass in their fullness. 
All right. So, so when we see this word at the beginning of the book of Revelation, keep those things which are written that God has it in mind that the church wasn't going to keep it for no reason. They were going to keep it so that they, in chapter one, so they could arrive at chapter 22 and God could have a family. See, and so he, he, at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, he's saying to them again, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So he's testifying that from the beginning of the church ages to the consummation of the ages, he will have a family who obey, who keep, who manifest his word. Does that make sense? You're going to find out that that above all other things is the marker. That is the, that is the evidence uh, of who his true family are. Is that family who from chapter 1 to chapter 20 through 2,000 years will always say, not just from their lips, but in their life will say amen to every word. Is that clear? So this is why Brother Brandon would say that puts denominations out of the picture completely. Because why? Because when the, when the word came and the messenger went home, they built that denomination on the, on the, on the shadows of the previous movement. And when the new, when another seal broke and another messenger went forward, they would not move on with the word. So they, in effect, Although they were admitting to the, to the work of Calvary, they were not confessing or agreeing in their testimony or in their lives. They stopped saying amen to every word. So it puts out organized religion completely. No wonder Brother Branham would come at the end of the ages and say to the church, and I guess he had the authority, he was the angel to the last age, and he would say, he's the signifying angel. John, he's, he's John's tour guide. John tries to worship him several times and he keeps making it clear, I'm just one of the prophets. Don't worship me. He, a, true, a sign of a true prophet is he always re reverses worship back to God. See, he will never take it on, on himself. And so he, so this was a sign of a true prophet. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever so that you don't have to worry about how he would act today. You don't have to try to figure that out. All you have to do is read how he acted in a previous day. When he was here on the earth and how he lived and how he conducted himself is exactly how he will live and conduct himself in the hour that we live in. That's how you identify him. You're going to find out, I'm going to make the statement, it's somewhere down in my notes, I remember that it is the manifestation of the word that is the evidence of the new birth and it always has been. It, because it, that's what proves Hebrews 13 and 8 is when the ink on paper lives behind skin. All right? I'm going slow on purpose. All right, Brother Mark, let's have my, my slides. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to read through these, and we're, we're not going to take too much time. I'm not going to do like Katie said and start freestyling. So we're going to just try to keep it, keep, keep going here. Let me turn my gizmo on. 
So summing up the world near the end, part seven, the time is at hand. All right, so Brother Branham says here, now, now listen, friends, the, the reason that, that I want to read these quotes is because I want you to have confidence in what I'm saying. Because I'm not pulling this out of thin air. I'm, I'm, this is the, the advantage you have. This is the advantage you have in not just sitting at home playing this tape. You have a minister that God has called you to sit under who can rightly divide and take these quotes with the scriptures and, and, and stitch it into the fabric of your life and, make, and run alongside you. That's the advantage of a true shepherd. He can run alongside you and, and he can reach over while you're running through life and he can make changes without breaking stride, without breaking your stride, see? So, so, so that's what we're attempting to do today. All right. So he says here, the Bible is not a book of systems. Now really pay close attention. This is... This is 1965. This is some of the last things the Lord wanted us to understand before his messenger goes home. The Bible is not a book of systems. No, no, sir. It is not a book of systems nor a code of morals. The Bible is not a book of systems, so many systems and so forth. No, sir. It is not a book of morals. No, sir, it is not. Nor is it a book of history altogether, or neither is it a book of theology. Now, it contains all of that, but that's not its primary thing, all right? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the Bible is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ, and it was wrote by prophets, Hebrews 1.1, God who in sundry times spake to the fathers by the prophets. In this last day, speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ, which was the prophets, all of them put together. Isn't that an amazing word? It's all of them put together. All right. Excuse me. So Jesus was Malachi. Jesus was Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah. All that they were were in him and all that you are and all I am is in him words witnesses of the word amen so so when when you look at it that way I mean listen friends if this was all true before as he reads here You know, the word was in Malachi, so Jesus was in Malachi. In other words, Jesus was living in Isaiah. Jesus was living in Malachi. Jesus was living in Elijah. If that was all true before the Lamb of God was even slain, how much more is it today? Amen? If it was true before the Holy Ghost came, how much, then what? Do you have available to you today? Say, this is a terrible day, but look at what's available to you. See? So it's not a, a book of systems, code, a code of morals. And he goes on here, watch. So it's not a book of systems, a code of moral ethics. Neither is it a history book 
or a book of theology. It is not, but it is the revelation of, of Jesus Christ, God himself revealed from word to flesh. From word to flesh. Amen? That's what it was in Malachi. That's what it was in Elijah. That's what it was in, Brother M says, that, that Jeremiah was Christ in another different quote. See, because Christ means the anointed word. I say Christ, you immediately think of Jesus of Nazareth and you'd be right, but that's not the only time Christ is applied. Christ is applied anytime the word is made flesh. That's Christ. That Christ means an anointed, anointed word. So whatever is the word, the living word of that hour, that's why the Bible could say that Moses was a God to the people. Yet he wasn't God, but he was a God to the people because he was the anointed word of that hour. See, so, you know, theologians can argue all they want to with Kentucky Hillbilly, but they could not deny what he was saying because it was right in the scriptures. See, so, so we find out then he says here, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. God himself revealed from word to flesh. That's what it is. The Bible is the word and God is the flesh. God in the word rather and Jesus being the flesh. It's the revelation how God, the word, was manifested in human flesh and revealed to us. And that's why we become a son of God, he is a part of God. You understand now he, the body is part of God so much that it's his son. So, so, when, we're, so, so when we're reading the, and I've, I've been showing you this and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna nail it down again today. When you're, when you're reading the established word of God from history, when you're reading the established word as history, that's not the same as reading the history that George Washington crossed the Delaware. That's not going to inspire you to do anything. You'll read that story and you'll go, my goodness, what a brave bunch of men that was. And they got, they got across the Delaware and we tell the story and they broke the ice and got across and surprised the Hessian uh, mercenaries who England had there and got a great victory. But that's not gonna, it wouldn't matter if I got a boat and crossed the Delaware. That's not gonna get me closer to heaven. So, so, so Brother Brandon would say, this isn't just history. See, it's not, not the same kind. There's nothing about reading that story that will, of George Washington that will, that will cause you to become a further manifestation of that event. You follow me? You're not gonna be a continuation of that because you read about George Washington doing it, see? So the word of God then, now you can get it. The word of God is more than just morals. It's more than just history. It's more than just theology. It's a living word of God and it's designed to live in and operate through human flesh. Amen. That's why Jesus was a human. See, he was the beginning of the creation of God. You're the continuation of that same creation. So, so it's, it's always been designed to live behind 
the skin of God's masterpiece creation. Say, what's his masterpiece creation? Sons and daughters of his kingdom. See, all down through the ages to the present age, to right now and in the ages to come without end. This has always been, when, when Brother Brandon said it like this, when the books are closed for the last time, the word will be flesh. There's coming a day when they'll open the book of life at the judgment bar and they'll open the books and the people will be judged out of the books and the, and the book of life will be the final arbiter. And, and if your name is, is blotted out of that, you have no chance. If your name is in it, then you'll get a fair trial and you might make it in. See, everybody will get a fair trial, thank God. You know, it all, you say, well, you, well, what about people who, who, you know, God knew them for their very purpose and like Pharaoh, I've raised you up. Oh, listen, friends, all, the, all that is, all the scripture is showing you there is that God, by his foreknowledge, knows who will and who won't. Now, we're not talking about his elected family. That's a whole different section of the book. He's got a, 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 a section of election that covers his gened family, and then he's got the rest of it to cover everybody else that's ever lived in the earth, ever breathed there. And God knowing the end from the beginning, it's not hard for him to predestinate. Knowing who would and, he, and who wouldn't, he didn't force anyone. He gives every man a legit opportunity. But he knows who will and who won't. See, if, if he doesn't know that, he's, how could he even be God? So the, you're never going to impugn him. You can't, that's why I've said to you many times, no one at the judgment bar, when you, whether you read it in Matthew 25 or whether you read it in the book of Revelation, no one is crying foul, holding signs or marching. See, so, so because there's something about being in that presence that there's a knowing that you, that, you know, you know what you are. That's what I love about church. Oh, I can come in here and get under the presence of God. And sometimes if I think I'm, I'm all right and I'm a pretty good guy, and then the preacher can get in the pulpit and I realize my need of God. I say, oh, Lord, help me today. See? And so this is why I've, I feel sorry for people who sit at home uh, and just play tapes. The, you know the reason people do that? Playing tapes is a wonderful thing. We're for that. I love that. You should do that every day. I just said recently, a tape a day will keep the devil away. So nobody believes in listening to tapes more than me. But do you know, do you know I'm going to tell you something, friends. You know why the vast majority, the vast majority, I'm, I'm not authorized to say every single person. I can't judge everybody's hearts. But I know by the patterns of the word, having studied it, more, more, you know, three quarters of my life, I can see the patterns. And the reason that people stay home and listen to tapes is because that's what they want to do. That's the reason they don't go to church is because they don't want to. And that's just the sad truth. I'm gonna say it again. The reason they don't go to church, the reason that, that, that somebody was able to convince them even though Brother Branham never taught that. And they, they, they teach it in the name of Brother Branham, but he never taught that, and there's no quotes to support it, and there's certainly no scripture to support it. But somebody, remember what I told you, that if you go a long enough time, <clears throat> you'll look around to find you a version of the gospel that you want to be true. And people who don't want to go to church and don't want a responsibility of having a pastor, who don't want to be responsible to other people, 
who don't want to be in that kind of a mix because that takes something. And people who don't want to do that finally let her, someone told them what they wanted to hear. And therefore they don't go to church and they don't have a local pastor and they don't mingle with a local, with, with the saints of God because they don't want to. And they've allowed someone to convince them contrary to the scripture and contrary to the message that they can do that. Say, what's going to be their fate? That's not for me to judge. I, I certainly believe that there are sons and daughters of God, amen, all through that movement. I certainly agree with that. I would by no means condemn the people. I'm just saying that that's a false teaching and it's a false anointing. And, and if it really loved the people, it would tell them what the word of God says. Amen. Enough of enough of that's not even my notes. That's free. God bless you on the internet. If you turn it off, okay. <clears throat> All right. So Brother Branham goes on here. All right. And all the scripture is divinely given, divinely set in order, and the whole thing is a revelation of Jesus Christ, the New and Old Testament where they foretold of him coming, what he would do when he got here, and what he would do in the age to come. Isn't that beautiful? So that makes him the same yesterday, today, and forever. See? All right. Uh, like in Hebrews there, when Paul wrote it, he is God, Jesus Christ, yesterday of the Old Testament. He's Jesus Christ today manifested in the flesh. And he's Jesus Christ forever in the spirit to come. See, same yesterday, today, and forever. And he ever lives to make his word live what it said it would do for that age. He is alive. Now, he's alive. He's living in you and me. We have a particular age. You're not living in a different age. You're living in this one. And you say, my, I, I just sometimes I can't, I can't seem to cause the word to live out of me like it should. I'm here to tell you, you, you can. Maybe you're not. The Bible says that there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But within that temptation, God will make a way for you to escape. Now, he doesn't say you'll take it. He just says, I'll make a way. Whether you take it or not, that's on you. See, but I'm here to take it. I just say, Lord, let me take all of your word because I know that you're here. I'm alive, which means you're alive and we're here. And, that, and I know that a prophet is saying that he ever lives to make his word live what it said it would be for that age. And I just say, Lord, no matter what you have to do by whatever means necessary, cause this vessel to look like this Bible. Amen. See, so he's, he's there, whatever he, it said it would do for that age, he is alive. So here is the point that I was making to you earlier. So a manifestation of the scripture proves Hebrews 13, 8. When you're living the life of the word, you're proving that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, so his proof of existence is his creation manifesting his word. Does that make sense? I'm going to say it again. His proof of existence 
He said, Brother Branham said in the quote, he is alive. He's here in this age. Well, then his proof of existence in his, is him in his creation making the word live. When you are allowing the word to live through you, you're proving he's alive. See? So this would literally serve as a model of vindication going forward forever. This is actually the reality of Hebrews 13, 8. It's a major point that gets overlooked because too often times we want to prove Hebrews 13, 8 by doctrine. Now that's, that's you say, well, what's so wrong with that? It's not wrong, but it's too easy because first of all, the devil can do it better than you can. But what he can't do is reproduce that life. I'm doing something he can't do. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He can preach this same message that I can. He can understand it as good as I can. He was wiser than Daniel, but he can't reproduce the life. You have more power than his power. See? So this is exactly what God was doing at Azusa for the manifestation of that day. It was a restoration of the power that, that came out of the upper room experience. And Brother Branham said it had waned, uh, but God was bringing it back. So th th listen, friends, that's what was going on when 30,000 converts were giving their life to Christ and smashing idols in Durban. 30,000 at once. Smash their idols. 25,000. I didn't hear William Branham say this. I heard F.F. F. Bosworth say this on a tape. He said, we had 25,000 miraculous healings in one moment in one prayer. It blew his mind. He said, I never knew that could even happen. He said, I always thought all you could do is, you know, if you wanted 25,000 healings, you had to pray for 25,000 people. He said, it never occurred to me to do what William Branham did. He said he got up and prayed for everybody and 25,000 people, notable miracles. See, so, so this is exactly what God was doing. He was proving his word for that age. Say, we aren't having that kind of meetings today. That's cause our age isn't that age. See, our age is something different. Our age is, it doesn't come so much with observation. It's in secret. But what's happening, God is perfecting a bride right under the nose of Satan in his Eden. See, it was the commission that Brother Branham received from the angel in 1946, and he took it to the world. But, it, but listen, friends, that was, you say, a mile if we just had all those days. That was all just background to the third pull. That was just background to what God is doing in this hour. That, you know, it, the, the third pole begins, of course, with the opening of the seals. And what does it do? What's, what's, what's the word portion of the third pole? Because there's the miraculous. There's the spoken word portion of it. But what is the word portion of the third pole? It's releasing back to his family the original word. No more is it mongrelized or hybridized. No more is it misunderstood even by the seventh angel who at first thought it was love. Amen? At first he thought love is the greatest, but he had to get corrected on that. He, and he said, no, the greatest evidence is saying amen to the word. 
Listen, friends, you're not following the ministry of a man. You're following the ministry of the Son of Man. This is the portion of the third pole that's open to us. The world, the world that we live in, I, you know, I could stand here today and take a long time just to talk about the elements of sin in the world and the, 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 the turmoil that's going on and the wars and famine, but I'm not a newsman. You can read the headlines yourself. Uh, what I'm here to point out is that the world had to arrive in the condition of Luke 17. It was always going to come to this. It was always going to hit the days of Noah. It was always going to re repeat the days of Lot. That was the gospel going forward in the ages was never going to stop that from happening. See, so Brother Branham goes on. All right. So the Jews had to be repositioned under the trumpets. Because why? why? Why did that have to happen? Because they've got to have their day of reconciliation to God with the blindness removed. So what, what did it take to get them into their homeland? Whatever it took, that's whatever it took. And you say, what is it going to take to keep them there so that they can receive? I'm here to tell you something. They can sing from the rivers to the sea. All they want to sing, they can chant it. They can chant the intifada and the annihilation of Jews and as a people. But I'm here to tell you when Moses and Elijah come on the scene, 144,000 are still going to be right there in that land and nobody's going to move them. They're not even killable. They don't even maybe know it at this moment, but they already have immortal life. They can't even be destroyed. They've got to be there. Hallelujah. That's the power of the word of God. Oh, you can put your confidence in it. There's nothing that can overcome God's word. And if it's in you, then nothing can overcome you. I don't care, I don't care how much up and down success the devil wants to claim that he has in my life and your life and he does it ain't going to stop me from being crowned with Christ hallelujah so is this clear is this clear so let's let's go a little further all right so brother Branham says he was alive in the old testament manifested watch when jesus was manifested in the old testament as we believe it when Jesus was manifested in the Old Testament in a theophany in the person of Melchizedek, not a priesthood, but a person, the man, see? For this man had yet not been born, but he was in a theophany. It was Jesus in a theophany in the form of a man. He says, can you go with that? All right. <clears throat> All right. Can you go with that? Yeah. Let me keep up with myself here. All right. We're going slow. Then when he was made actually human flesh and, and uh, dwelled among us in the person of Jesus Christ himself, born of the Virgin Mary, see, they're the same guy, the same person. Melchizedek in a theophany and Jesus born of Mary is the same person. All right, just he's now, he's now the only begotten of the Father because he's born of a woman. All right, so now watch. <clears throat> So he's born of the Virgin Mary. He come in that form so he could die. Because you can't, you can't 
Brother Branham would describe it like this. He could explain it like this. God can't die. God's a spirit. You can't kill God. Brother Branham said, so God acted out the part of death in Christ. Now he said he didn't act. He really did die. Jesus really did die. But Jesus was the body that God lived in. Brother Branham said, it's so simple. Why do they make it so complicated? See? All right. So he says, um, start, uh, and then he was made actually human flesh and dwelled among us in the person of Jesus Christ himself, born of the Virgin Mary. He come in that form so he could die and went back into heaven. Now, in this last days, he was promised to manifest himself in the fullness again of his flesh in spirit. You say, now wait a minute. Is this meaning when he comes back to earth in Revelation 19? Well, he's certainly coming back in the flesh in Revelation 19. But the beauty of what William Branham is trying to get the world to understand that what he was promising in Luke 17, when you see the days of Noah repeat and we do, and when you see the days of Lot repeat and we have it, then that's the time, that's the time, not at the end of the tribulation, that's the time before the rapture that Jesus Christ would come to the earth in flesh again and, and he's living in you and me. He's in his church just like he was at the beginning of the church. See, all right? You're getting it, I'm sure you're getting it. Sodom, shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man? Now, I'm going to make a point. Because a lot of what, even what I'm teaching, you already know. So now it's going to be my job, and as I'm going along, I'm dropping in application. We've already done it a little bit. But I'm, dropping, I'm going to drop in some more application, because you can, you can sit at home and hear this tape, all right? But now watch, let's, let's, so, so keep your mind with me, all right? Don't miss, don't miss those nuggets that are coming. All right, for as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now look at the Sodom, how it's set and what taken place and Jesus Christ being manifested in bodily form of his church today. So am I, am I off in left field? See? So he's in bodily form of his church today. See, doing the same thing, same work, same things that he did all the time never changes the eternal one. You say, are you walking on water, Brother Jason, and multiplying fish? I'm doing something far greater than either one of those. When he multiplied fish and loaves, that attracted a people who only came for the fish and loaves. You say, what about walking on water? If the Lord ever needed me to walk on water, I'd walk right out there on it. You see, but, 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 then, then what is it that you're doing that's greater like Christ? I'm trying my best to do always that which pleases the Father. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to be the word in whatever he needs me to be. Maybe he only needs a housewife to be a loyal housewife. Maybe he needs a man to travel a seven seas. Maybe he needs people to come to church and amen the word of God who just work jobs and have families and take vacations and, and, and support a church. Maybe that's what he needs. You're doing the greatest thing. You're doing what God has called you to do. See, 
the, the opening of the word has, is what has allowed us to do that. You say, well, well, why is that so great? Why is that so great? You mean besides the fact that 8 billion other people aren't doing it? I mean, how much greater you want? See, almost 8 billion other people aren't doing that. We're doing it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not because you're better than them, but because you have said amen. You have believed his word. You have allowed his word to take effect in your life. I, 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 I wish the desire of my heart would just be to preach just that for the rest of my time. Is just to talk about allowing the word to dwell in you richly. I'd love to take the rest of my time and just talk about letting the mind which was in Christ be in you. Oh my. I want to finish up this series, God willing. All right. Let's see where we are. All right. So he goes on. And upon earth today, he has manifested himself in the human bodies. Whose? our human bodies that he has called and done exactly the same thing he'd done in sundry times and in the times of, the, of his flesh upon the earth. So you remember we've been taking Hebrews 1. In sundry time he spoke through prophets. In the middle of the Old and New Testament, he was a keystone and spoke through Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, he's back in his many-membered body. He, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, it went from one Jesus to 120. And within hours, it went to 3,000. And within days, it was thousands more. And God just kept adding Jesus Christ to the church daily as he would. And they continued in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread. Amen? That's the sign of the true church. It always has been. Those who follow all of his word without denying any part of it. That's not just doctrine. That's, that's a people that do not deny God his privilege to live his life through them. In case that went over your head. It's not just denying doctrinal teaching. You might misunderstand teaching and deny it. That wouldn't send you to hell. You can't disbelieve what you don't know. And since sin is real sin is unbelief, you can't disbelieve what you don't know. You just ask God to make it clear. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when the Holy Ghost is calling upon you for holiness and separateness from the world, and you won't do that. It's calling you, to, a prophet is screaming out, make Jesus the center of your life, and you won't do that. He's saying he needs to be first in your life and you make him second, third, fourth, or fifth. Then, then, then you're not taking a stand for the word. Doesn't matter what you believe intellectually. Amen. <clears throat> All right. All right, so he's done in sundry times and, and in the times of his flesh upon the earth. And doing the same thing today... Because God in sundry times spoke to the fathers through the prophets in this last days through his son, Jesus Christ. See, the son being revealed in the last days, God manifested in human flesh, setting just before Sodom's destruction, the end of the Gentile world. Do you see it? 
Do you see it? Are you sure you see it? Do you see it in real time? Happening around you? Do you see Sodom going to destruction? Do you see? What, what is it you see? Brother Brandon preached a message. Look, what are you looking at? You say, my goodness, brother, you know, uh, well, well, why, why are you emphasizing it? Because depending on what you see, that informs your thinking as to what you should be doing. See? And what your life and your dedication to God should look like. When I see people who who come right into this church and believe the same message I believe, but I don't see the word having preeminence in their life, then they don't see it. They might see the message, but they don't see the what's happening in the world. If they did, it would drive them to their knees. They would think about their children walking around in this dark world, and they wouldn't let go of God until they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They wouldn't let their career interfere with that. They wouldn't let school or work or jobs or anything. They wouldn't let recreation. They wouldn't let vacations. They wouldn't let anything interfere if they really saw it. In real time, happening around you. See, if you see it, then what should you be doing? If you see it, if you see Luke 17, if you see the days of Noah and you believe it, and you see the days of Lot and you believe it, and you can see and you can observe and, and own the fact that the world is vile and full of sin and it's Satan's Eden. If you can see that, then what should your life and dedication to God look like? I don't need anybody to write me a note or tell me or stand up or raise a hand. Ask yourself right now, if I really see the world in the condition that it's actually in, then what should my life look like? What should my prayer life look like? What should my home life look like? What should my activities look like? What should my recreation look like? What should I be feeding on? Amen. You know, there's much wondered at concerning... The little wooden room. Brother Branham, I, I'm not going to take the time today to uh, read the quotes of that story. You're familiar with it. Brother Branham said, I was in something like a big tent in one place. In another place, he called it a big cathedral. So I don't think we're trying to look for some canvas built tent on five or 10 or 50 or a million poles. Somehow that the bride is all going to meet under it. Hey, if that happens, I'll be on the front row. <laughs> I promise you, I'll be right on the front row. But that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not, you know, you say, well, that's, you should be shocked. Well, Brother Branham said, I'm not even looking for a revival. He said, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. I'm not, I'm, I'm I, you know, the, the reason the world misses the, the word of the hour, do you know the, the main reason they miss the word of the hour? Because they're looking for the nail-scarred man. And they don't see him until the end of the tribulation. He doesn't come back until Revelation 19. His feet never touch this earth. And because they're looking for the nail-scarred man now, that's why they don't see him in the form of his word. See, they join a church and just wait it out. There's much wondered at where he said, I was up there and he said that little light, he said it's to my right and there was a little wooden room. And he said the, the angel of the Lord, he said that pillar of fire, he said it left me 
And it went down into that room and he said, as it was going, he said, I will meet you in there. And Brother Branham called behind him. Why? And he called back because it won't be a public show. And he went in. And Brother Branham describes how that a prayer line is formed and people are coming to that line and, you know, people went in and the pillar of fire was in there and people came out the backside hole. And when they were even asking the people what happened in there, Brother Branham said the people were saying, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I went in, I had a need, I'm out, I, my need is met. I went in sick, I'm now I'm whole. I went in bound, now I'm delivered. I went in. Oh, I'm going to tell you something, friends. I guess it was from whatever was hindering them, whether it was physical or whether it was emotional or whether it was mental. I mean, listen, we don't know precisely what it all means just before the crossing over, but, but I do know that there is something just ahead of us. I can tell you, friends, I, I, I can't put every peg together for you. We don't have the whole picture. It's going to manifest itself. But I know that it's happening now, and I know that it's going to get greater and greater. Hallelujah. Life. I mean, think about when they go through there. I thought about this. My wife and I were talking about it. Life unencumbered. What a wonderful thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, people say, well, you know, I, I, I might say, you know, I love life. I love life. And sometimes people could say, well, if you had my life, you wouldn't love life. My life is horrible. Well, but, but come on, that's, you're only thinking that because you're suffering. If I just took the suffering away, you wouldn't think like that. Life is wonderful. Life is God. In him was life. And that was the light of men. This is, a, this is what created the whole cosmos. This is what made a beautiful garden of Eden. Not human with limited view, but God looked on all of his life and said it's good. No, it's actually very good. So you see, friends, imagine if I took away every circumstance that caused you any distress, then life is a beautiful thing. God gave us life and we, we love life and every human wants to live. I, I've, I've seen people who are down at death's door and they wanted to live. What is it? People, it's not always a fear. They just, they don't, you know, I, one of the queens of England, she said, oh, if I'd give everything for just five more minutes of life. See, just like, I mean, that's no different than, than if the world was unpolluted. I mean, I, what, we love the world. What we don't love is the world order. All right? So, but we, we love the world. You know, it's, it's the contaminations of the world and the contaminations of the earth that burden us. As Brother Branham said, the cosmos, the world, world order. That's what we wish was different. Thank God it's gonna be. But I love the earth. I love nature. We, we take hikes in the wilderness trails. We, you, I've done it. You've done it. We've, we've summited mountain peaks. And when you get up there and you breathe in all of that fresh air, oh, there's something euphoric about it. It's invigorating. It's renewing. How many have done that? See, 
It feels like such a deep cleansing of the human spirit. I mean, I love nature. We watch animals. We, my, my son's got me into watching birds and everything. We're looking, Sister Debbie and I, she'll scream in the house, come quick, hurry, run. I think the world's ending and it's a bird. And I got to grab the bird. Oh, it's beautiful. You see that green, that blue? Wow, what kind is that? I don't know, call Jonathan. <laughs> She scared me to death the other day. I thought she was being murdered and it was just a bird. And it was a beautiful one though, I have to admit. So, so you know, we, we, we see these things. We, we see, you know, you see high definition video of great mammoth whales, hundreds and hundreds of tons breaching the surface and soaring and crashing down with just a thunderous effect Oh my, it, it, has, it has such an effect on us. We love the world. It's, it's the world order that Brother Branham said we're unfitted for. Catch it, he said that in the 60s. He said in the 60s, that was kindergarten. Amen. That was nothing compared to now. And he said in the 60s that psychiatrists were having to go see psychiatrists and doctors were prescribing uh, medicine to doctors. And, and he said it, it's a neurotic world and a neurotic age. And he said it's an age that we seem unfitted for. Oh, I can so relate to that. I, I'm unfitted for this world. None of us like it. It's uncomfortable. It's full of uh, unrelenting pressures of life that, you know, we have to daily walk through and the constant stress and the anxiety of decisions and actions. And, 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 and then, I mean, that, that pales. You know, our stresses and our anxieties we think are so bad, but that, that pales in comparison to the horrible sin of war and disease and suffering and sometimes if we'd be honest, sometimes suffering can snowball and have such an effect that we get like Paul when he said to the Corinthians, I was pressed out of measure until I even despaired of life. That's the apostle who literally despaired of life. And he says, he says I felt as though I had the sentence of death within myself. I want to say to you today, imagine just for a moment stripping everything away that came after the fall. Imagine the life you would have right now in real time. Imagine stripping away a removal of everything that got added to my life that wasn't supposed to be there where only pure life remains. Imagine if you could stand in this room today and the only thing of your whole existence was just pure unfettered, unadulterated life. All of our stresses, all of our fears, can you imagine it? All of our anxieties, all sickness, all injury, all calamities, all gone. <laughs> all fleshly weakness towards sin and our failures, all gone. Imagine 
that for a moment. Oh, I'll be happy, friends. Oh, my, I'm here to tell you, it, 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 whatever that little wooden room is, I don't know, maybe it's just a supernatural decontamination chamber. I think if I ever needed a decontamination chamber, someplace I could go in and have my mind cleaned and my heart purged and it strip away everything except what God ordained for me before the foundation of the world. Perfect health, think about it. Perfect strength, perfect love, perfect faith, a perfect life, mind, body, and soul, perfect. I don't know what condition, I don't know fully what condition I'll be in or that you'll be in right at the moment of our just before our change. But here's what I do know. Now, beloved, now we are the sons of God. I do know that. Yeah, I got plenty of failures, plenty of weaknesses, plenty of stress, plenty of anxieties, plenty of decisions. But I know that underneath all of that debris, there's a life pulse beating. And I know that someday this robe of flesh will fall. I know that I am a son of God and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. I know that much and that helps me quite a bit. I say, Lord, bring on the little room. Amen. Is that your desire? Whatever that looks like, whatever that'll be, because as I said, if I ever needed a spiritual decontamination chamber, it's, it's today. It's right now. I mean, you're living in a day with unprecedented levels of evil where the, the degradation and the insanity of man's mind is permeated. I mean, it's, it's systemic. It's in every country. It's in every culture. If there was ever a time when we need a spoken word of creation, friends, if there, if there was ever a time when I could say as David created me a clean heart, would that be today for you, friends? You say, Lord, give me that decontamination chamber. What do you want me to do for you? Create in me a clean heart. Oh, peel away, Lord, all my doubt and all my fears and, and you know, so that I can see him as he is, see? Say, well, can I see him as he is? I can because he's in me, see? He's in me. And, you know, I can, we can come here to church. We can preach. We can sing. We can be happy. But then what happens when you go home? What happens on the job tomorrow? Oh my, I, I want to see it every day. I want to see it every moment. I want to see his life living through my life, through my whole body. We're almost home, friends. We're almost home. My, it's time to press the battle. We're living in a day when the power of the spoken word of God of creation is here now. I am promised in this day a releasing of power in the very midst of an impossible age. In the very midst of Satan's Eden, a creation power that has the ability to purge my heart, to wash my mind. Listen, there is available, before I wind it up today, I just want you to know, there is a fix-all chamber. 
you have available to you today a fix-all chamber that you can go in and have yourself purged clean, a place where, where he can do for me that which can't be explained. Say, how'd you, how'd you get over that? I don't know. He just did it. Amen. Believe God has these decontamination chambers around the world? You believe he does? Oh, he's got them in North, South Carolina, North Carolina. He's got them in Tennessee. He's got them in Oklahoma. He's got them in Kansas. He's got them in Indiana. He's got them in Florida. He's got them in Georgia. He's got believers from sea to shining sea. Amen. He's got them from the tip of North America to the tip of South America. He's got them. He's got them from Manchester to London. He's got them from Moscow to Kiev. He's got them in Durban. He's got them in Joburg. He's got them in the Cape. He's got them down under. He's got them everywhere. He's got one in, in Buford today, and you're sitting in it. Hallelujah. Oh, my. He's got them everywhere. My. We're not talking about a mere structure of roof and walls. Hope you're not. Hope you're not thinking that I'm meaning this building of brick and mortar. You haven't come to a place of brick and mortar. You've come to Mount Zion. Amen. And to the city of the living God. Oh, don't miss your day of visitation, friends. Amen. All you need to do is be willing to enter in with Christ. Let me finish through these quotes real quick. I just say, do whatever you have to do. Hear me. Do whatever you have to do. Change whatever you need to change. Only get there and live there. All right? So Brother Branham, now the reason it's taking me longer is because I'm going slower. But you told me it's okay. All right? I want to finish these quotes. You good? All right. So Brother Branham says, now he's going to, uh, no, it's still in the same sermon. There is three manifestations. Now watch, he's going to give you two different examples of three manifestations. Here's the first one. Now the next thing happens is when, is when it's all gathered up into that one person, Jesus Christ, bride and body, at the physical return of the Lord Jesus, making his three times when he was brought on earth, killed, crucified, raised up, manifesting himself in the form of his body, which is his bride, the woman. All right? You still with me? You get it? He says, she and man are close together till they're just almost there. They're the same. They ought to be anyhow. There they are, see? They just exactly manifested the same. She is part of him because she was taken out from him, see? And the bride today is taken out from the body of Christ, which is acting and doing just exactly like he said it would do for this day, the bride, the queen, the, the queen, king, and the queen. So God has these, these decontamination chambers all over the world, and we're finding out that it's brought us to a place where this can become a reality in our, in our very lives. So, so he, when he says here now, there, here's a scripture where Brother Branham, uh, where I actually quoted it to you, we are, ye are come to Mount Zion under the city of the living God. That's Hebrews 12. Brother Branham talked about it often. It goes on to say, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So I know the revelation of Abel 
that he received was from God. You agree? I know that it met the challenge of the hour then. All right? But that day on Calvary gave me a better sacrifice than Abel. See? Because I'm going to have a greater challenge. A better sacrifice gave me a better position. It's a position where, where, where as, as Sister Deborah put it in, their, in the skit, that, that it's not just that your sins are covered. Your sins are purged. They're taken away. Hallelujah. Oh, my. That's the very thing David longed for and strove for. Amen. And I, I came here this morning for that kind of a cleansing, friends a power to live a higher life. And I plan to go higher still. How about you? Now I, and I'm gonna fly over this part here because we've already taught on it quite a bit. When, when, we, when we found that, we gave you the example of Isaiah. And Isaiah, Rima came upon Isaiah and he said, behold, a virgin shall conceive. And then once he wrote it, and it went, in, it went on parchment, then Isaiah passed away, then it became Logos. It became the established word. You remember that? And then when Gabriel comes to the Virgin Mary and he goes back and quotes the word, the Logos of Isaiah, and when Mary says, be it unto me according to thy word, then it became fresh Rima to her. Amen. And, and so, so, so I, I said to you last time, John saw and wrote in a book that as it was in the days of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, John was writing what he saw and heard. And when John left and came home from Patmos, that went into the Bible, that became Logos. And it waited 2,000 years and a people at the end time, now it becomes Rima once more because we believe it. Not only do I believe it, but I am it. Hallelujah. This is, this is exactly why when, when we, here we are reading these quotes. Listen, friends. Here we are reading these quotes. When William Branham was saying them, they were Rima to him. And then they went on tape and then they went in books and then he went home and here we are today sitting in a church going back reading his quotes and you know what's happening? Logos is becoming Rima all over again. It became the established word. Do you realize that that's why it's effectual in your life? Do you know that that's why you're writing a second book of Acts? Because it's not just Logos. It's not just the established word. The, all the denominations have the established same Bible I carry, but I'm a living example of the word. Do you realize that on the day of judgment, that that is what will allow God to rightly judge the world? Because, because of what the bride became. Because when you leave here, right now, you're, you're experiencing Rima. Say, how do I know it's Rima? Because it's changing your life. Every day, it's drawing you closer and closer, is it? Then that's Rima. But what's, what's gonna happen, friends, is on the day of judgment, God is not going to have to go back to the first book of Acts to judge this last age. He'll go to the second book of Acts. Because a people became the word and that becomes the established logos at the day of judgment. And he'll judge, that's why Jesus said to his, listen, Jesus said to his generation that, that the queen of the south, the men of Nineveh, 
will rise on that day and judge this generation. The queen of the south back there will rise on the day of judgment and judge this generation, speaking about his own generation. And he said, because, and it, listen, it had, it had very little to do with what the queen of the south said. It had everything to do with what she did. The Bible records that she said there was nothing like it, no words to describe. She gives a, a testimony about being with Solomon. But Brother Branham, when he comes to the queen of Sheba, he doesn't talk about what she said as much as what she did. She crossed the deserts. She risked her life. She went three months just to hear a church service. Oh, it wasn't what the men of Nineveh said. It wasn't what Jonah said. The Bible says it's what Nineveh did. They repented. They covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. They called a fast. Even the king came off his throne and sat in ashes. Even they put sackcloth on the animals. They wouldn't even let the animals eat or drink and the whole nation repented before God. And Jesus said, those men will rise and condemn this generation, not because they had more knowledge of the Bible than the Jews, but because they had obeyed the word of God. Your life, this second book of Acts is what God will be able to justifiably judge the world for because no one can say it couldn't be done because he'll have a queen sitting with him on the throne. That's you and me. That's where we are right now. I'm gonna to stop today, I, I can't get finished. Why don't you stand up with me? Have our, have our musicians come, Brother Kenny, come on and let's sing a song or two, amen. My, I looked down at my quotes and I got a bunch more, so we'd be here till way late. Amen. And since I'm not Matt or Brother Tim, <laughs> and since neither one of them are here, I can say it. <laughs> Amen. Oh, let me tell you something. Me and his kids laugh at it. You know, we talk about it all the time. Well, your daddy's a long preacher. Yeah, Papa. What is his problem? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. I love ministry, don't you? Brother Tim said, we are to increase our capacity. Amen. So I just say to you today, increase your capacity. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Anthony, Sister Smith, okay? Okay, so they're, they're pumping her full of antibiotics, I would imagine. Amen. Come on up here, Brother Tony, and stand in proxy for and let me pray for you. Amen. And we'll give you a prayer cloth also. Amen. Gather my ministers up here, what ones I've got left here with me. I think, Matt, me, maybe me and you, the only ones. Praise the Lord. Amen. Play something for me, Sister Deb. <clears throat> name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we call for the blessing of God, Lord, upon our sister Smith. And the hospital laying there at her aged, Lord, and her aged years, fighting off pneumonia, how the devil would like to have this, have a very sad ending. But Lord, we are praying against him. We're praying against the enemy, Lord. And then we're asking in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that when this prayer cloth is laid upon our sister, the devils would go out of her, Lord, and she'd be well for your glory. Strengthen the whole family in this hour of trial, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Brother Tony. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing something, Brother Kenny. Praise God. Amen. We're going to let you go here in a minute. God bless you. Into, into thy chamber be free. Holy Spirit, Spirit 
Bow your head with me. Just keep playing that for me, Deb. Or you can switch up if you like, Brother Ken. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your word that went forth. Lord, I, it's such an important topic. We, we just want it to be so clear in the lives and minds of the people. Lord, it should give us hope. It should give us purpose. It should give us determination. It does me. It fills me with determination when I read what I am called to and what I'm called to be and what I'm entitled to be and what I have the privilege to ascend to. Lord, I pray for your help in our lives. Cause it to be so today that this entire congregation here in the visible audience and the invisible audience, archive services, Lord, whoever should hear it, may it cause that, that in their heart, in the very deepest part of their heart, may it bring a great desire to, as David said, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet toward him. Lord, may it be so today. I pray that you'll grant that. We love you. We thank you. We, we have prayed and asked for your blessing on all those who are away today, Lord, for various reasons. I pray that you'll get great glory in your bride. We love your word, Lord. We love it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, your dad. Come, come up here, Sharon. Amen. We'll pray for you in proxy. Amen. Praise the Lord. For those of you who don't know, Sister Pat, uh, Brother John's wife, has been diagnosed with leukemia. And so their, their Brother John asked me specifically, please have this church praying. Amen. For Sister Pat. Will you do it? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we contact, Lord, we lay hands here upon Sister Sharon, standing in proxy, Lord, for Sister Patricia. Right now, Lord God, we're asking in the name of Jesus Christ, let faith go from this place, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit go. May the enemy be rebuked by the Holy Ghost, Father. May our sister be brought before you, Lord God, for your mercy, merciful hand today. The enemy comes in to threaten in these ways, but Lord, we don't have to accept that. We pray against him today, Father, and I ask for the love of God and the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus to be on, on the scene for our sister right now. I pray for Brother John that you'll strengthen his heart, strengthen his faith, Lord God. What a, what a devastating thing if we think of it from medical terms, but Lord, we're looking beyond these symptoms, Lord, because we can. We can look to that day on Calvary and know that every redemptive blessing is that the bride is entitled to everything that Jesus purchased on her behalf. So we exercise our faith. We exercise our privilege, Lord, and we ask that the enemy who is a trespasser, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, the enforcer of God's word, will rebuke him soundly, may drive the devil from our dear sister. May she be well in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Sharon, thank you. Amen. God bless you, friends. Turn around and shake hands with somebody standing near you. We're going to let you go in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come live in me all my life. Take over. Come breathe in me and I will on eagle
to my soul. 